Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. I say those scriptures all the time. You can sit down. Thank you. And I take it so personally, this, the Bible revival. I sat the other day on the edge of my bed. I just got home from work. I was feeling a bit tired. But I could also feel the, the, the invisible weight of just some things. I just felt heavy and tired. And I didn't know why. And it's not uncommon to feel like that at times. I just sat on the edge of my bed and um, I began to just say scriptures. Most of them are in the Bible Revival Handbook, our, our weekly Scripture of the Week booklet, because Pastor Catherine stole all my scriptures. I mean, um, <laughs> because we fight with the same sword. And I just began to say them. Now, I didn't know what the burdens were. I, I wasn't cognitive of it. But as I began to speak them, I felt myself just lift up. Because some of that burden just wasn't natural. Yeah? And I felt begin you feel faith arise. I'm going to talk a bit about that dynamic tonight. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. By the way, I feel in this season, I saw a vision. Uh, this is a few months ago. I saw a vision of, um, it was, a, it was a, a Roman city. So, you know, we've got all the, the columns and all the different buildings. And there were a handful of just these Roman columns that were just dotted about the city. And to look at them, they looked maybe, you know, 10, 20 feet tall. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys with me? And, you know, they're up the side, you know, to the ceiling sort of high and they're quite wide. They're just standing in different places in the city. And there were other buildings that had that same architecture around the city. And the other buildings were bigger, or at least it looked like it. But then the angle of the view changed on the city. And suddenly those pillars were thousands of feet tall and they dwarfed the city. They were bigger than all the other buildings. And I feel like in this season, there's been a shaking, but the people that are rooted in God, the pillars are being revealed for the absolute mountains that they are. That in this season, if you've been faithful with Him, quietly obedient and following Him and digging into the Word and believing God and trusting Him for His promises and stable and steadfast in Him, you're going to be revealed in this season as solid and you're going to tower in this season because it's a season of where we've gone through a shaking and it's the pillars that have stood the test and they're going to be revealed as very important in the body of Christ in this season. I'm going to talk a bit about prayer, but it's not about prayer. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm talk a little bit about yokes and burdens tonight. We're going to get rid of some and we're going to take on one. But I want to talk about that scripture a bit tonight. I want to blow it open a little bit. It's interesting that Pastor Catherine talked about me being able to read Greek or Koine Greek, which is first century common Greek, um, that the New Testament is largely written in. And um, the bulk of our available uh, manuscripts are in Greek, even though some were originally written in Aramaic. Thanks, Megzi. Because it changed my life learning Greek, and it's not an intellectual exercise. I didn't, I didn't learn it because I wanted to be clever at theology. I actually felt the Holy Spirit lead me into it, and I began to do my devotionals in Greek. And over about a seven-year period, I translated the entire New Testament um, from, from starting with the book of John, um, verse by verse, from Greek into English. But I did it just in my devotional time. And when I started, at the beginning of that six years, yeah, I was incredibly slow. It would take me 25 to 30 minutes just to translate one verse. Um, and I have to look, keep looking at all this stuff. But now I can just read it. And so I grew. I did it on purpose as a process to, to grow in it. But also, I got so much revelation and had so many encounters with the Lord because I was 
reaching into the root system of the language that our scriptures have been handed down to us, or at least a vast portion of them. So I don't take it as an intellectual exercise, but it's actually been this amazing, beautiful journey of intimacy with the Lord, learning Greek and then hearing Him through His words speak to me. One of the encounters I had was with this verse. So I want to look at two words from this verse. I'll take us on the detour first. He says this, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When he says I am humble in heart, he uses this word, tapenos. Now you'll never remember it um, unless I make you say it, so I'll get you to say it. Tapenos. Tapenos. So tapenos means this. It means lowly or subservient or humiliated. It means in a negative sense, or at least from a worldly point of view, to defer to somebody in a subservient manner. Now I want to give you an idea what happened with this verse as I read this, because I read it and I've just read, oh yeah, God's, Jesus is gentle and humble of heart. But when I read that he was subservient of heart, that challenged me and it hit my heart. I had this situation. I was in Sydney and my sister was, um, I think she's about 15 or 16 years old at the time and she was going to high school down the road from where I lived in Cherrybrook. And it was about maybe a kilometre and a half walk to a high school that she was at. Anyway, she sent me a text message. I was at home. I didn't have a car at the time. Um, and mum was at work. I was an adult, but I just didn't have a car at the time. And, um, and my sister sent me a text message saying, hey, can you bring my two-litre bottle of Coke to school for me? Now, it's summer day, so it was about 38 degrees. Out, so, yeah, 38 degrees, making sure I'm in the right country. Uh, I wanted to say Fahrenheit. Uh, about 38 degrees that day. It's a stinking hot day in uh, northwest Sydney. And my sister, who's 15 or 16, she's awesome. She sends me this text message asking if I can bring her two-litre bottle of Coke to high school. So I'd have to walk like two Ks to high school to give it to her. Totally unreasonable request. And I was really annoyed. Now, I'm obviously... Don't mean to dishonor my sister. She's in her 30s now, but um, but I was ticked off. I'm like, you're kidding me, aren't you? I'm not bringing you, you know, your bottle of coke to you in the walking two k's to bring a teenager a bottle of coke uh, in the heat. So anyway, I dismissed the idea, and when I dismissed the idea, I heard the Holy Spirit, or she heard Jesus say to me, "I would do it for you." I would do it for you. Now, I don't think he was trying to get me to take the bottle of coat to my sister, even though I actually did it. But I heard him say, I'd do it for you. And it just challenged me so much because I am gentle and subservient of heart. He's so beautiful, hey? He pierced my heart. He's the guy that will, Jesus is the guy that will take, pick up your bags at the airport or the hotel. And he's the Lord of the universe. Through him, all things were created. And apart from him, nothing was created that's created. But he's the guy that would put himself last. <laughs> and I love him, eh? Isn't he beautiful? That was just a diversion. There's a... Uh, Brooke Fraser wrote this beautiful song and it says, one of the lines says, Because you gladly lean to lead the humble... I shall gladly kneel to leave my pride. And there's been times in my life where, you know, the situation is like something's happening. You're like, I'm not doing that. And then I've, I've had Jesus or somebody a lot like him, another believer, start doing it. Somebody that's more important than me, I thought. And they'd start doing it. I'm like, I'm totally doing that. I'm so sorry, God. You've given me the heart of a servant because you are gentle and subservient of heart. You're amazing. Same spirit lives in us, hey? He's beautiful. He would serve us. 
That isn't the two words in that uh, scripture that I want to talk about tonight, but I thought that was a cool aside. Do you like that? The two words I want to talk about are easy and light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So he says, hey, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. But then his next word says, take my yoke upon you. Hang on, I'm weary and you want me to put something on. How does that work? Now, if you've seen a yoke, they're not nice things. Big chunk of wood. If you're lucky, it's got some leather padding on it and it sits over the neck and shoulders. Now, it's usually put on an ox to pull. You put two oxen together and they pull the plow. And they chafe the neck. They're horrible things. And if you put it on a man, a person, it will eventually rub the skin off the back of your neck and shoulders. It's not a very nice thing. So he says, hey, if you're weary, come to me. But then he says, take my yoke upon you. How does that work for rest? How does that? Well, let's talk, look at the words that describe it because I want to dig a little deeper. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word for easy is Christos. Now, Christos means kind or pleasant. In fact, Christos is, is used to describe food that's really enjoyable and drink. Like when you drink something or you eat something and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so pleasant. I just want to keep eating it. It's that great meal that you find at that restaurant that you want to go back to all the time. But it's stronger than that is to describe something that when you encounter it, when it's Christos, your heart goes, yes, this is so nice, thank you. Are you with me? In fact, one of the synonyms you can translate Christos is to say that it's a lovely that is pleasant. So he says, my yoke, this thing that's supposed to rip the skin off the back of your neck and make you miserable and burden your shoulders. He says, my yoke is the opposite of what a yoke's meant to do. He says, my yoke is lovely. It's pleasant. It actually makes your heart heal. It makes you go, <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. It's an upside-down kingdom. It does the opposite of what it would do in the world. My yoke is Christos. My yoke is kind. It's pleasant. It's lovely. So when he says, take my yoke upon you, it's not a metaphor for God chafing you with his discipline. Are you with me? Because the temptation with a scripture like this is to interpret it through a religious lens that says, yeah, yeah, there's the heavy weight of the world and maybe the heavy weight of, of, of other things, but God's, God's burden's not quite that bad. It's okay, you can tolerate it. You with me? But that's not what he's saying at all. He's not saying, hey, my yoke is easy, like, oh, it's not that bad. He's saying, my yoke is wonderful. It's lovely. It will heal you. And then he says, my burden is light. Now, God gave me this cool example of how you could view this if you just read the word light. It's a bit like Mandy and I get out of the car after we've been down to Aldi, because we love Aldi. And we, get, we reach into the boot and we grab out a whole bunch of shopping bags, right? But then I go, you know what, babe, you take the stuff with like the bread and the things in it. And I'll grab the, the meat, the frozen stuff, the... Um, multiple um, things of, of coconut butter, coconut milk, and the stuff is really heavy, right? So I'll take that, but you take the light burden. You with me? So she's still got, you know, five or six bags between her two hands, but it's not that bad. You with me? My burden is light, but that's not what the word means. You with me? So the temptation without digging in a little deeper is to think, oh yeah, his burden is, it's not as heavy as it used to be, 
But, you know, I've still got to carry this thing for the Lord, you know. There's a cross to bear. And, and interpret it like that. But the word is a laphros. Now, a laphros means the very, very, very least. The very smallest possible. The lesser. It's the very smallest. It's the very least. It's not... Not that bad. It's not the smallest shopping bag. It's the most minute thing that you can imagine, like putting a mustard seed in your pocket. You'll forget it's in there. It means it's insignificant, absolutely insignificant. It's not just, oh, I could tolerate it. It's not a burden at all. It actually means it's insignificant. It's not saying that God's burden or Jesus' burden is manageable saying my burden's a bit different because my burden isn't a burden at all. In fact, the kingdom's upside down from the world because his yoke that's supposed to chafe is lovely and will heal you and his burden will actually lift you. Burden's way down, but his burden will lift you. His burden will lift you. See, a religious spirit, Spirit would say, man, yeah, we can do this. You know, Jesus, Jesus' yoke is easy. It's not that bad. His burden's light. You know, we can, we can get by. I can be a good Christian in my workplace. I can be, I can, I can just, I can live up to this. But a revelation says his burden will heal my, sorry, his yoke will heal my soul and his burden will lift me up to a place where I operate in power and in purity and in love and in joy where I dominate the spiritual space that I walk into when I take his burden upon me because his burden isn't light, it's nothing. In fact, it lifts me. So how do we get to that place? Because in the kingdom, the yoke is healing and pleasant to your soul and the burden lifts you. Well, I'd like to suggest that oftentimes prayer is where we exchange our burden for his burden. We exchange our yoke, the things that are chafing us, the things that are causing us issue for his yoke that heals our soul. So you might have a financial need. So let's say an issue comes along, you have a financial need. Now I heard Bill Johnson say this um, from his, the message of the week two weeks ago. And if you haven't listened to it, it's amazing. It's called uh, Warlike Prayer. And I definitely listened to it. It rocked my world. Uh, and Pastor Catherine, I think, shared it as well. I walked into the house and saw Rob Murgard just about driving a hole through his uh, through his journal when he was listening to it because he's like getting himself. This is amazing. But he said this, he said that it's the, the word will prune you, but it, the situation will get your attention. I'd like to suggest that the issue isn't the issue. So a financial issue comes, a financial need comes, and the yoke of anxiety comes, begins to chafe. And the burden of what am I going to do about this and how is it going to work out comes. But then you take it because you're weary and heavy laden. And Jesus said, come to me if you're burdened and heavy and weary and laden. And so you take it to him in prayer and you pray. And you pray it through until you feel a shift where you exchange that burden from you onto him, and he gives you his yoke and his burden. And I'll talk about what they look like in a second. Let's say you have a loved one in need, or there's a, a family member that's off track, or your children aren't following the Lord, they've gone off track, something's happened. Right? There's an invitation from God to come to him into intimacy and to exchange through prayer the burden and the yoke of the situation to receive from him a spirit of faith for the situation that will carry you. Because what's actually happening is the issue isn't the issue. The issue is an invitation for you to go into him and get a word and get into his intimacy, a place of his presence. 
and to get a spirit of faith from Him and a word from the Father that will lift you so that you can execute heaven on earth in the situation because you're the executor of it. It's an invitation to exchange the burden for something that will change the world, to execute God's will on earth. Yongi Cho, if you you know about him, if you've read The Fourth Dimension, it's amazing. Read the original before you read the revised version. You can get both on audiobook together. He talks about, he prays things through. He'll pray them through until he has a witness of faith about the situation. He needed a bicycle, he needed a desk. He was in what at the time was a very impoverished economy in South Korea. And he began to pray and imagine this thing because it was impossible. But he's praying it through, praying it through until he could see it in his mind's eye and he knew he had the answer. And when people came to him, he'd just say, I've, I've got it. It's here. And people would ridicule him, laugh at him. But you know, it came to pass. But you know what? He didn't have a burden of how am I going to get this or how am I going to... He'd exchanged it and now he had a burden on the inside that carried him. And when people came to him and said, well, how is this going to happen? He's like, I've heard from God and it's going to happen. I have my bike. I have my mahogany desk. Kenneth Hagin did the same thing constantly. He would pray it through until he felt the shift. If you've had burdens in your life, if you've got something that's chafing you like a yoke, man, there's an invitation from the Father to take it. It's the situation is actually calling, it's beckoning you to take that thing that is bearing you down into the throne room of grace and to pray it through, whether it takes five minutes or a week or 15 years, but to pray it through until it shifts. And then you know you've got an answer that in the heavenlies, you've already seen the execution of God's will and promise in that zone. It's going to happen in the natural. And then that conviction, that burden will carry you. The word will carry you. And you will carry a piece of God, a yoke, an anointing that surpasses all understanding. Are you with me? He's so good. You might get moved or burdened by things that happen. You might be upset about or or passionate about a certain city or a certain nation or a certain issue or a certain legal thing that's happened. It might be a certain people group, but there's a sense of something that's that's, that's chafing you on the inside. There's a a yoke that's caused you anxiety or an as yet ungodly sense of injustice. I want this thing to change or I'm anxious about this issue in the world. But there's an invitation to take that burden and exchange it with the Father and take it to Him and say, what is you? What have you got? What's your heart in this? And begin to cry out. I'm not afraid to get loud and desperate with the Lord over an issue. And I don't think that that signifies a lack of faith. It says of Jesus in the book of Hebrews that He, the Son of God on earth, He cried out to God with loud cries and tears and it was heard because of his great piety. If the Son of God can do it, then so can I. I'm not afraid to unleash and shirk off me the burden by crying out to the Lord, God, come, come and move in this situation. I'm desperate for you to move. Now I'm doing it with faith and I'm doing it as a son, but I'm not mucking around. I'm going to relieve myself of the burden because that's what God asked me to do. He said, if you're burdened and you're heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. And then what happens in exchange is that he'll give you his burden and his yoke and it's going to lift you up. I've seen people get a burden for a country where they've, they've prayed about a country, but then God gives them a burden from him. And that burden lifts them. And then they'll move heaven and earth to get to that place. They'll feel the call from God. There's an anointing that comes. And instead of them feeling burdened about what's happening in a country or burdened for the people of that country, the burden carries them. There's a fire on the inside that will carry them. 
That's how calls happen. When you get into the intimate place with the Father, you begin to engage with the eternal purpose of the Father in prayer, as we begin to talk to Him and pray through and, and, and relieve yourself of the burdens of this world. And then all of a sudden your eyes change and you get a, a heavenly perspective. And He goes, do you know what? I love you and I'm going to reveal things to you and I'm going to call you into a space to execute heaven on earth, to execute my will on earth. And there's an exchange that happens. And suddenly the burden comes off, but you gain His burden that lifts and His yoke that heals your soul. It comes very serious if you find yourself frustrated or embittered about a certain situation in life. Because then you have a burden and a yoke you were never meant to carry. If something happens or there's a situation and you find yourself feeling angry, feeling hateful, feeling revengeful, feeling a self-sense of justice or feeling like it should be this way, you're carrying the wrong burden. The wrong yoke, because that yoke will kill you and that burden will crush you down. And its purpose is to bend you out of the will of God into a place of bitterness and despondency and disillusionment. But if you'll take that burden and that, that offense and that whatever the burden is you're carrying to the Father and exchange it for His, what will happen is you will get His heart and His burden for the situation. And you'll know when you've got it because whatever vision you have, it will, it will be flavoured with hope and it will be coloured with mercy and it will have a heart to serve. There are plenty of people right now trying to change the world, but they don't love the people that they're trying to change or the situations. They've come with the wrong burden, it's killing them. But if they'll take it to the Father in prayer, they'll get a prophetic revelation that will lift them. The wisdom that from, is from above is first of all pure, then it's peaceable and full of good fruits and merciful. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. He who has ears, let him hear. That's what it looks like on the earth. There are whole movements right now that are social justice movements that have nothing to do with the heart of the Father because they're, they're carrying the wrong burden. But if you'll take it to the Father, He will relieve you of all your hurts, all your cares, and you'll fall in love afresh with the one who never deserved to suffer, but suffered for us because He's subservient and beautiful of heart. You with me? And you'll gain His heart, and then you'll serve your world, even if it hurt you. Because His yoke will heal your heart because it's lovely. Yeah? And His burden isn't just manageable, it will lift you. Exchange it in prayer. Get the heart of the Father, exchange it. If you're in confusion, if you're feeling, if you're still feeling heavy about a situation, go and exchange that burden, get the heart of the Father. Those things are too heavy for you. Come into His presence. I remember when Mandy and I were engaged, we had planned to get married in the Hillsong Chapel, a little chapel in, um, that they built near the church in northwest Sydney. And the building wasn't due to be completed until right, like right around the day of our, our marriage. Anyway, as that date got closer, you know, construction you know, things get pushed back. All the, you know what I mean? Anyone that's ever opened a business or built something, <laughs> right, construction gets pushed back. And so the date's getting pushed back and eventually it gets pushed back just past our wedding date. But I'd prayed to the Father and I had a conviction. He gave me a gift of faith and said, it's, it's done. You are going to get married in that chapel. So as the date got closer, I had really beautiful, well-meaning people come to me and they were angry at me like you need a plan B you know you gotta I'm like no there's no plan B and they're looking at me like I'm crazy and the natural I was but I knew that the father had given me and I wasn't yielding from that space because the burden carried me you with me I had a word from the father I had total peace about it and it was offensive faith can be offensive sometimes even to the other people that are they're full of faith 
And I had people like telling me, this one person, tell me, tell me, and someone that I love and is a good friend, but like, tell me, you, you need to, you're being, you know, you've got to, this is not going to happen. The date's been moved. It's never going to happen. No, it's going to happen. The end of discussion. Sure enough, the building gets its certificate of occupancy two days before our wedding. And then Bobby Houston decorated the chapel for us. And we were the first people to get married in the Hillsong Chapel. Because the burden will carry you. Because you can get a gift of faith. And I feel like we're going to see a lot more of the gift of faith operating in the body of Christ in this season. I feel like we're coming into this place where we're viciously taking hold of the promises. And we're coming into His presence and laying a hold of God and saying, this thing hasn't been right for too long. Or this promise hasn't come to pass for too long. And we're exchanging that burden for a word from the Father that will execute heaven on earth. We're going to see it more and more. Um, a very good friend in the States, and her baby just wasn't sleeping. Now, I'm not a parent yet. I will be. But she tried everything. She did everything, and I'm, I'm sure other parents can relate. And, and, and really good little girl. But just, she just wasn't sleep. She wouldn't sleep. And she got to the point where she's in sleep deprivation, like where, where she was at her, like she was starting to like, like get freaked out. She's like, I can't function at the moment. My daughter's just not sleeping. And uh, I remember she came to um, to home group with us and I just pulled her aside. I said, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to commit. I'm going to pray every day for this to change. We're going to stand with you. I'm praying every day. I'm going to pray for a week and we see it shift. So I just decided I'm going into the presence. We're going to see this thing change. So I prayed and I'd set my mind for a week and then, I'd, and then we'd talk about it. I prayed for three days and she calls us up. Boom, she went to bed tonight. She's fine. Never had a problem again. Because your prayers can change things. I don't know where I ever got this Calvinistic idea that prayer is like, well, I'll pray, but God's already predetermined what's going to happen. And let that hang for a minute. Because it's a nasty little thought that creeps in to the background of our theology. I'm going to pray. It's about Pastor Catherine saying, um, you know, it's unfortunate when someone gets to a place where they say, well, we can ju- all we can do now is pray. Now, I know none of us are uh, carrying that idea, but it's the same kind of thought. Hey, like, oh, you know, it's, a, it's a, if it's the Lord's will sort of thing. No, prayer changes things. It shifts things. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, and we've been gloriously burdened with the privilege of being able to shift these things. Don't tolerate them. Don't put up with them. Don't let the enemy put that silent little light at the back of your mind that says, well, you know, you can pray and stuff, but the Lord's already predetermined everything. No, no, no. He's already said what His will is. His will is healing. I'm listening to F.F. Bosworth's Christ the Healer. Come on. He constantly says faith begins where the will of God is known. And he'll talk about constantly, and he repeats the same lessons at the start of each one constantly because he's trying to reinforce an idea and break a mindset that, hey, if you doubt that it's actually the will of God to heal, that it's going to be hard for you. Now I'm paraphrasing him here with my own words, but it's going to be hard for you to believe for it because there's always going to be that question, that, that, that doubt, that, that double-mindedness, well, is it the Lord's will? But if you know it's the Lord's will, then when you pray, you're just executing it on the earth. You already know what God wants in the situation. I'm just praying for it so that it can come about. Become a funnel of heaven on earth. Prayed for three months for my mum to get saved every day. Used to argue with her about God. Um, so I got saved. Very passionate straight away, coming home, telling my mum about Jesus. So we get in these arguments. But I would pray for her every night for a solid half an hour sometimes for three months. During that time, while we were arguing, the Holy Spirit told me to get out of the way. So I stopped arguing with her and just prayed. And then bang, one day he just says to me, ask her to come to church. I was like, all right, because I hadn't mentioned it for a while. And I said, hey, mom, do you want to come to church? And she went, no. <laughs> and then I was getting ready and she came, come out a little bit later. And she said, oh, I think I'll come to church today. Boom, got saved, radically saved. And she's a mighty woman of God. And one of my greatest cheerleaders, I love her very much. And but I prayed for my sister for 15 years. And then just a couple of years ago, radically saved. She's on fire. She did the academy online last year. 
amazing, amazing, a prophetic gift that blows me away sometimes. Um, <laughs> praise God. How are we going? Can you take a little bit more? Yes. Awesome. Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26. So we all know Romans 8, 28. Somebody tell me what Romans 8, 28 says. All things work together for the good of those who love God or according to His purpose. Come on, Deb. Praise God. But I want to read a bit before that, if I can actually find the book of Romans in my Bible. Romans 6, 7, and 8 might be the most read portion of this Bible. Where are we? Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says this. Oh, come on. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts, that's the Holy Spirit, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Excuse me, He who searches the hearts is Jesus. Because He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, there's a lot of words there, yeah? And um, Paul can be quite wordy. But it starts off by saying in the same way. You with me? So in the same way, the Spirit also intercedes for us. So many of us have heard the teaching, right? When you pray in tongues, you're praying the perfect will of God because He intercedes according to the will of God. You with me? But the Holy Spirit pointed that verse out to me one day. I'm getting older because my one days are like, oh, that was 15 years ago. I was in class one day doing a class called Pentecostal Pneumatology, which is a really fancy word for the, for the um, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And I was reading that verse and the Holy Spirit said, what do you mean in the same way? What does it mean in the same way? In the same way as what? And I went, I have no idea, Lord. So I did exactly what I thought he wanted me to do. I read the verses behind it. So it says this. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Oh, am I in the right spot? Yeah. I'm going back a bit further, excuse me, to verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So creation and our present sufferings, both groaning, Yeah looking forward to the revealing of the sons of God, looking forward to God's redemptive purpose. For creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So, crea so creation is groaning, waiting for this revealing of the sons of God, this freedom, this freedom from corruption, the, the, the brokenness of, the, of creation and the world, it's groaning, we're groaning. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. Not only this, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit and we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So what everybody's groaning about or waiting for is God's full redemptive purpose in freedom from corruption, a restoration of the kingdom or establishment of the kingdom on the earth, right? His full eternal redemptive plan outworked on the earth and it's happening already through us. So that's what everybody's groaning for. This is what they're all praying for. And then it says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with what? Groanings. Do you know what happens? When you get into the presence of the Father and you exchange your burden, your groanings for Him and you pray and you get a burden from Him, what happens is you seek His face, you begin to align yourself with His eternal plan of redemption and it executes itself through your life. You actually find yourself in the middle of the purposes of God 
and they start to outwork. Have you noticed that the more you seek God, everything just starts to line up around you? Man, money just came in for this thing and this opportunity. And I met this person at the shops today and they just happened to know this person and that. Everything just lines up around you because you find yourself in the middle of God's purposes. That you've taken the burden into His presence and prayed it through and encountered Him and received something from Him. And then the groanings have, have outworked and you found yourself right in the middle of God's will to execute heaven on earth, His eternal plan and purpose. Let me give you a really cool example. In, uh, see my notes in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, the three wise men, the Magi, right? they come to Jerusalem for the Messiah. And they say, oh, we, we say, they say to Herod, we saw his star. So there's a whole, that's, that's really cool, right? There's a whole bunch of people, Pharisees and Sadducees and high priests and scribes, and they're looking through the Scriptures, intellectually trying to work out who's the Messiah, intellectually and politically trying to work it out, right? But then there's these guys, random dudes. They're, they're almost certainly not Jewish. In the East, who are astrologers and astronomers, and they're earnestly seeking after God. And in doing so, they follow a star to Jerusalem to meet Jesus, the Messiah, in the flesh. They seek God and find themselves right in the middle of God's eternal redemptive purpose for the earth. And the pattern hasn't changed. These random strangers have nothing to do with the covenants of God. And they find themselves because they sought God. Guys that shouldn't have found God, but did because they sought Him. Luke chapter 2, Simeon, God tell, he seeks God day and night and God tells him, you're going to see the Messiah before you die. And then Jesus comes into the temple as a baby. And then immediately after that in Luke 2, it talks about the prophetess Anna, who probably got married somewhere around 16 to 18, I'm guessing, given the culture. I could be wrong. And it says she was with her husband for seven years. And then she was, what, 86, 84? I can't remember. I could pull it up. So for 50 plus years, she spent as a widow in the temple praying and fasting. And you know what? She finds herself right in the middle of God's eternal redemptive plan for the whole earth because she sought the Father. She got into that place. I'll give you one more example. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, a Roman officer, and an angel appears to him and says, Cornelius, your arms and prayers have ascended before God and you've been heard. Send for a man. <laughs> he's going to tell you about the Messiah. And his whole household gets saved. Because the guy's just seeking after God. And he found himself right smack bang in the center. God's eternal purpose. Salvation. I think, I think the first Gentiles that came to Christ. Possibly. <laughs> it's amazing. Zechariah, we'll finish with this. Zechariah 4, verse 11. This is really cool. Zechariah 4, verse 11, and then Revelation 11, verse 4 have the same imagery. Zechariah 4, 11, and Revelation 11, 4. As I'm, as I'm trying to find it. <laughs> Zechariah 4, 6, Scripture, all of you will know, even if you don't know the reference, many of you will know, if you know, says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Yeah? That is one of the Scriptures that God gave me for 2021. For me personally, but I've come to realize that my life is often a prophetic picture. So I am fully expecting it to be for the body of Christ as well. Not by might, nor by, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, that's great to hear that, and that's how things are going to happen. But how do you get, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit? Well, 
God shows Zechariah a bunch of other stuff, and the answer's in the midst of it. So if we shift on down to verse 11. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees? So he saw the two olive trees on the right of the lampstand and on its left. And I answered the second time and said to him, what are the two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes which empty their golden oil from themselves? So he answered me saying, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, Lord. And he said to me, these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. And I read that the first time and I went, two anointed ones? You can't have two anointed ones. Now, you might not know what I'm talking about, but in the Old Testament, if you read the word anointed one, it's almost always this word Mashiach, which is Messiah. There's only one. And it only ever speaks of him like that, even if it speaks in various pictures about the, the root and the branch of David or Jesse and so on, all the different pictures of Christ. But then it says two anointed ones. I'm like, that's not right, God. So I'm ripped down the Hebrew. I'm looking what it says. So I want to know why it doesn't say the two anointed ones. It says this. It says the sons of fresh oil. The sons of fresh oil who stand before the presence of the Lord. In Revelation 11.4, it's talking about the two witnesses and the lampstand. And it says they stand before the Lord of the whole earth. See, if you want to have, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, it starts in his presence. If you'll stand in his presence, if you'll take all of the, the whirling junk that the world has offered, which is actually God's opportunity to execute heaven on earth, and you bring it to him and you say, all right, God, I've got all this stuff, and I'm not going to take on these burdens and yokes. I'm going to give them to you because I'm coming to you because I'm not going to be burdened down by this stuff. But I know this is an opportunity for heaven on earth to come. In fact, I'm sure of it. I think you're excited about it. Like when Jesus said, I'm glad that Lazarus has died for your sake because then when we get there, you're going to believe. Things got worse before they got better and he's like, he's pumped because I know God's going to do something. And he'll bring it into his presence and you'll get the oil of the Holy Spirit and a fire from God and a burden that will lift you and a yoke that will heal your heart and bring you into the heart of the Father and you'll burn with a holy fire for things. And when you walk into your situations, instead of them affecting you, you will execute heaven on earth. You will affect them. They'll bow to you. People will think you're crazy. Why aren't you worried about this situation? You, <laughs> I'm not worried. God's going to do something amazing. I'm glad Lazarus died because God's about to resurrect him. We had this night, Valentine's Day, I think it was 2018. Um, and we went out and I backed into a Maserati. Um, and my dog ate, when we got home, my dog had eaten um, two big blocks of chocolate, which was well and truly enough to kill him. And my mother-in-law was terminally ill at the time as well. And in that period, ended up passing away. We also had a bunch of other costs that were ensued in that time. I had to take two weeks unpaid off work so we could drive back and forth from Louisiana, which is a 12-hour drive, to see her. So all hell is breaking loose in our life all at once. I, I remember... I hit the Maserati. It was totally supernatural and not in a good way either. I was backing out of a parking lot after our Valentine's dinner, which was free, by the way. An amazing steak meal at a fine dining restaurant in an exclusive neighborhood. Because that's favor, right? Right in the midst of the enemy's junk. I get favor. And then I stopped the car as so I'm reversing, stopped, and then the car just moved an inch backwards. Like, it was freaky. I just popped this little Maserati. Drive home, dog's sick, all that sort of stuff. So it gets to about two in the morning and I feel sick in the stomach with anxiety. But it wasn't anxiety. I've learnt now that if I feel anxious, it's an invitation to intercession. I would suggest that most anxiety is unspent intercession because every criticism, every offence, every 
anxiety is an invitation for intercession, an invitation to exchange it for God to do something amazing and for your heart to be set free. So I got on my knees and I prayed and my amazing wife drove to Augusta, Georgia, which is a fair way away, uh, next city away, to take the dog to a 24-hour vet. But I knew that that anxiety I felt, I knew that was a burden from the Lord for, to intercede for my dog. So I got on my knees and I prayed for two hours. And then when it shifted, I went to bed and I woke up a couple of hours later. I had to be at work at five in the morning. I woke up a couple of hours later, my wife got home from the vet. She said, the dog's fine. His pancreas has no swelling. Unlike Spotty, he didn't throw it up. It had to go all the way through the system. Didn't touch my dog. Absolutely fine. Never had an issue and he never has had since. Found out that the guy that owned the car was a former global executive of a multinational um, IT company. I won't tell you which one. Had retired, felt a little jaded because he'd been privy to some nasty things in the world, as you do when you operate at that level. And here I come bounding in. We hit that car and the moment we hit it, I said, thank you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, it's done. It is completely paid for. I come bounding into his um, office and I'm like, hey, we'll pay for this. What's your name? He's freaked out because I'm so happy. I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it. It's take two weeks unpaid off work. But I'm like, this is awesome. God's going to do something. I didn't know his history. And I was totally upfront. I left a message for him, everything. Everybody in that restaurant knew who I was because I was a pastor and I worked in another restaurant locally. I knew the chef. And, um, and just left this amazing testimony. And I gave him some free coffee and stuff. They just, just, I could tell it impacted them incredibly because he'd known all of these different situations where people were dishonest and manipulative. And, and, and I just was totally wide open with him and, and even generous. It was really cool. So he gets touched. This whole testimony goes through this whole neighborhood of very wealthy people, some of the most powerful people or formerly most powerful people in the, in the world. And then this money just starts coming in. And not only did it cover my wages, but enough to fix his Maserati. Uh, I didn't do any damage to my Camry. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Pay vet bills, and we built a deck on our house. Because he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Because it's awesome. Because every situation, an opportunity to exchange for his burden. God's going to do something amazing. Isaiah 40, 30 says, Those who hope on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not get tired. They shall walk and not faint. When you bring it all into the presence of the Lord, instead of the burden pushing you down. Proverbs says, 12, 24 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a kind word lifts him up. Where do you get that good word from? Yes, it can come from somebody else, but the Lord spoke to me this afternoon like a duh moment. He said, you get it from me. If you will bring the burden of anxiety into my presence, I'll give you a good word that will lift you up. You will mount up on wings like eagles and you'll run and not get tired and walk and not faint. Stand with me, guys. I want to open the altar. If you've been feeling the burden of demonic resistance to your promise, if you've been feeling the burden of anxiety, if you've been feeling the burden of depression, although I realise that can also be something else, if you've been feeling a cap on your destiny, now's the time to exchange the burden, to come into His presence. To not tolerate Him, to come into His presence and give it to Him and get a good word from the Father to proclaim and speak His promise until it, the thing shifts in the spirit first and then in the natural, which is the opposite, by the way, of how Christ worked with Adam. But you must execute, says Bobby Houston, prepare in the spirit so that you can execute in the natural. My favourite lines ever. But this the yoke, it's time for the yokes to come off. It's time for the burdens to come off. We've been free. Joy is our portion. It doesn't matter what, what's happening. You can sleep through the storm. Whatever circumstances, whatever hell's breaking loose, whatever things haven't moved yet, 
God's smiling at it. He's inviting you into the place, shifting that burden, getting a word from Him, a fire from Him. There's some people here I felt that you're in your workplace. You're like, how do I be a good Christian in my workplace? I feel like nobody wants to listen. It's all anti-God, blah, blah, blah. And your heart's good, right? You want to do the right thing, but it just feels burdensome. But as you, I feel like you're going to bring that into His presence tonight and get a word. And instead of going to work going, oh my gosh, what are they going to say to me today? You're going to have a word for them. Hey, you know what? God told me that He loves you. God told me about your daughter. God told me about your situation. Or a word of encouragement. And you're on the front foot where instead of the burden, you're trying to bury it. You've got some, a burden from the Lord and it's carrying you. And you're the head and not the tail and above only and not, not beneath. Jesus, thank you. He's breaking off those burdens right now. I'll just bring that stuff. The stuff has been buzzing around in the, in the atmosphere of your mind and your heart. Bring it up to Him right now. I feel like there's a couple of people here and you've actually put the promise on the back burner. Like you've, you've actually put it out of your mind. And even now, it's not just coming to you. Like, you know, normally... When, when, when someone gets a word from the Lord and, and they say, you know, what about this, these, these promises? You know, normally those promises come straight back up into your mind because you've been thinking about them. But, but I feel like there's a couple of people, you've actually shoved them in the back there and you've got to like, oh, you've got to resurrect them. You go, man, I, I've actually lost hope. I've got to bring them back up again. I feel like I'm saying, bring them back up again. Bring them to me. I want to, I want to reignite them. It's funny that I said back burner. Because I feel like God is, He's got His hand down on the, on the igniter. And he says, if you'll bring it, if you'll bring that up again, I'm going to put fire on it again. You don't have to manufacture hope. I've got plenty. Thank you, Jesus. We speak it now. There are people that are in ministry or been in ministry, but still feel the call and you've felt this cloud over you. It just hasn't felt right. It hasn't felt the same. But you know the call. You know you, you know the promise and you've positioned yourself. You've done everything the Lord's asked you to. But it still hasn't felt quite right. It hasn't felt, the, the atmosphere of heaven hasn't felt the same to you. But I tell you now, that is breaking in the name of Jesus. It's breaking, it's breaking. The call hasn't gone away. Thank you, Father. There's been a resistance from the enemy. I quote Bill Johnson again. Why wouldn't you? But he's, I heard him say this line in that same sermon. He said, in church history, and I hope I'm not botching him the way he said it. In church history, I feel like, you know, when the disciples brought the, the demon-possessed young man to him, and they said that we couldn't get the demon out. And then Jesus cast the demon out, and then he says, this kind only comes out through prayer. And he said, there's been a, a habit of making a, a doctrine out of why the demon won't come out. But we're in a place in church history now that the church is praying and it's going to shift. There's a call to prayer. There's a call to come into that place. Come to me. You're heavy, heavy laden and burdened. I'll give you rest. Thank you, Father. I just want to open the altar. So if you want to come and pray, come down. Come and push through the doubt. Lay those plans bare again before the Lord and say, God, I'll hope again. If there's things, promises that need to come to pass, come. Believe again, push through again. If there's things you need to take authority over, come. If there's, if there's something that's been like the 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 princess and the pea, it's been like in your heart and just it's there's a bitterness or a disappointment or something that you were never made to carry that burden. It's too heavy for you. That that yoke, it's too irritating for you to carry for your heart. Come down the front and exchange it to him. You can come in your own time. Come down now. You don't have to, you don't have to wait for me. Thank you, Jesus.
Michael and Laura, I met, and I came in the door. I felt like this is a this is a shift season for you guys. That um, that that there has been a bit of a glass ceiling and some frustration, and even feeling like you're spinning your wheels, like an exercise bike. You're like, things aren't changing. I know God's good. I know He's doing things, but I feel like this is a breakthrough moment for you. And that um, I just saw an old piece of paper, and it had your call written on it, Michael. And and I feel the Lord say, oh, this, this is coming back to the surface. And uh, it's Laura, right? I felt the intercessor on you the moment I came near you. That you're a woman of the word and a woman of intercession. And, um, Jeremiah says, is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that smashes the rocks in pieces? And I, I f- Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at infoglorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to infoglorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.